So I really do love this story. Jesus is walking with his friends and they encounter a man who had been born blind asking for whatever help they might be able to offer. The disciples asked Jesus, whose fault was it that this man was born blind? His own or his parents? That was the way in Jesus' day. If you were afflicted with some kind of ailment, certainly if you were born blind, someone had to have sinned. Jesus answers as we, modern-day folk, would expect him to answer. Neither he nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that the power of God might be revealed. What? Before Jesus could explain, he turns around, spits on the ground, makes some mud, and reaches up and spreads that muddy mixture on the man's eyes. And then tells him, go wash in the pool at Siloam. Oh, this is important. The day Jesus did all that also happened to be the Sabbath. The man does just as Jesus told him to. He had a friend lead him to the pool at Siloam. He put his face down in the water. He washed the mud off. And when he looked up for the first time in his life, the man could see. Instead of celebrating with this man who had been blind his entire life, who can now see the faces of the people who are talking to him, he can look and see trees and not just see the trees, he can see that there are actually individual leaves on the tree. Instead of celebrating that great gift from God, people start second-guessing him. Oh, he wasn't really born blind. Nah, he's been joking about it his whole life. He's just been sitting around being lazy. Some say, oh, no, 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 that's not the guy at all. It's just somebody that looks like him. It's not really him. But then they get the Pharisees involved, and they have the Pharisees come. So so who did this to you? How did he do it? And so the man answers. It was a fellow named Jesus. He spit on the ground, he made some mud, he put it on my eyes, he told me to wash it off, now I can see. When Lou Ivory was teaching ethics at Union Seminary, he preached on this passage and Lou was so excited, he came into chapel and he said, oh man, this is a, this is a word study for the ages. Is it the spit? Is it the mud? Is it the dirt? Which is it that really made all this happen? You know, like when a dog's hurt, he'll lick his wounds until it gets better. Clearly, Jesus' spit is better than our spit. Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't have anything at all to do with the spit. Maybe what it really is is just the power of God proving that God can do anything. So the Pharisees tell this man who can now see Well, Jesus can't be from God because this thing that he did, this miracle of miracles, the fact that you can see, well, he did that on the Sabbath, so clearly he doesn't believe in God. But the man doesn't have any use for the Pharisees. They don't believe what he says, and he's irritated with them, so they go find his parents. They want to know whether he really was born blind, 
and whether his parents knew what had happened to him. And all that they can do is confirm, yeah, he was born blind. We don't know. He's of age. Ask him. They don't want to be involved. So they go back to the man who is getting more and more annoyed that nobody is celebrating the fact that he can see. He tells them again. Well, maybe the reason you really want to know all of this is because you want to be Jesus' disciples too. Well, that was enough for the Pharisees. They banish him. They run him out of the community altogether. And Jesus goes and finds a man to remind him that all will be well. Not to worry about it. Jesus came into the world so that the blind could see. Like the man born blind. John's reminder that Jesus is the light of the world and that Jesus, in Jesus we all see a bit more clearly than we do when we're left to our own devices. It is fascinating to me that at no point did anyone but Jesus ever celebrate that God had cured this man of his blindness. But we're like that. We're like that a lot of time, actually. We get caught up in the what is happening. We get caught up in the hows and the whys. And we forget to celebrate the possibility of what God is doing in our midst. There's a lot of that how did this happen and whose fault is it going around these days. We may one day have a much better understanding of how this virus that has completely upended the world as we know it, temporarily. How that virus managed to jump from an animal to a human and then figure out a way to spread from human to human. That doesn't happen very often. And that's the good news, is it doesn't happen very often. The bad news is that when it does figure out how to do that, it's never a good thing. And so we have the uncertainty of how we flatten the curve, how we manage to slow down the spread of this virus because we don't have any antibodies to fight it off. In the meantime, we have to figure out some new ways how to do things. We have to figure out how to celebrate that God is still in our midst, that God is still in control, that God is still sovereign, but that we might have to learn some new tricks in order to stay connected. There seem to be quite a few things actually these days that are worth celebrating. One of those things is the, the technology that makes all of this available to us. The fact that we live in a day and time where we can hook up a phone on a tripod record a message to you, send it out over the airwaves, and know that you can gather with your family and all of the other families of this congregation and beyond and celebrate that God is still right here in the midst of all of us. Another is that I found out this week that we are being a whole lot more intentional about checking on people. We're picking up the phone, we're logging onto the computer, we're figuring out how to FaceTime people, making sure that they're all right. Folks that we thought about and had thought that we ought to check on them, well, we've actually got some time on our hands now so that we can follow through on that and not just think that that would be a good idea. 
and you're doing it. People are calling and checking on folks, making sure that they don't need anything, making sure that they're feeling all right, and that is absolutely worth celebrating. We're even engaging in new ways to share the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're figuring out new ways to teach folks the stories of Jesus, new ways of doing church that are beyond the walls of this building that we so appreciate. But we're doing church in a new way, and I promise you, we would not have done that if it weren't for the circumstances that we currently find ourselves in. Church has always been more about the people of God than anything else. This week, we've had a really good reminder that the people of God are the most important thing. Remembering to check in and take care of them. Remembering that this building that we've been graced with is really just a tool for doing ministry. We call it the church, but it's not. You are the church of Jesus Christ, and that's worth celebrating and being reminded that without you, we are nothing. Because in the end of this story, whose fault about the man being born blind, or whose fault and how it came to be that he regained his sight, is not really the story at all. The story is that Christ shined a light into the world, and for the first time, that man was able to see it. That man was able to celebrate what God was doing in his midst. And today, we're learning to shine Christ's light in a new way. And that is absolutely worth celebrating. So what is it that God is calling us to do next? Well, the psalmist reminds us that even when we find ourselves in really, really dark valleys, the Revised Standard Version of the Bible calls it the valley of shadow of death. Even when we find ourselves in that place, we have nothing to fear because we know that God is with us, shining light in the darkness now and forever. Amen. So now I'm going to invite you to do something that you